Praise God. Thank you, musicians, singers. I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm so glad to be in the pulpit. Amen. Thank God. You got a three-month break, almost. But uh, pastor's back. And uh, I knew I was in trouble this week when somebody said, Pastor, call me, and it wasn't me. So <laughs> I said, well, maybe the evangelist preached so long that they started calling him pastor. So, But I appreciate the ministry that we have had in these past three months in Brother Jeremy and... Uh, He's helped us. He's ministered to us in so many ways, and uh, we are blessed. Amen? Thank God. I want to take you to the Word of the Lord. I want to minister in the vein that we're in, in celebrating Independence Day and Fourth of July. I uh, learned this much about people and minds and through the years, and that is, if people's mind somewhere, and you want to bring a message to them, then the shortest trip is to go where their minds are. And so I'm going to take the short trip today, and I'm going to minister in the vein that we're in today, in this Independence Day weekend, celebrating the 4th of July and our independence of our nation that is 241 years old. Amen. Jeremiah said, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her fruits by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. July the 4th, two days from now, our nation will be 241 years old. On July the 4th, the Continental Congress met in the city of Philadelphia and adopted the Declaration of Independence. When they, with their quill pens, had scratched their signature across that document, it was undoubtedly one of the most defining moments of the history, not only of this burgeoning nation, but the entire world. With a few bold strokes, those 56 brave men cast off the chains of tyranny and made a bold proclamation, complained, content, proclamation that a fledgling nation was ready and able to stand under its own power and authority. They declared to all the world that they represented a free and independent people that day marked a culmination of years of conflict and frustration. 
the pilgrims had left the countries of Great Britain, the European continent. They had left to go find a land where they could be free to worship as they pleased. But when they got there, they found that the king followed them. (laughs) And they found that the religion of the king followed them. And they found that it wasn't long until they were not free at all. And so began the conflict and the frustration. The decision to declare independence did not come easy, nor was it hasty. John Adams would later say that the real revolution took place in the hearts and the minds of of America some 15 years prior to the first drops of patriot blood that was spilled at Lexington and Concord. When those brave men signed that powerful declaration, they did so with a conviction that was born through years of conflict, time and experience, or relentless teachers, and the preceding years had provided ample evidence that the only way they would ever achieve liberty and freedom, the one that they longed for, was to toss off the controlling hand of the throne of England. They learned the hard way that self-sufficiency and self-reliance was the only way to persevere or to preserve, preserve the great dream that they had began to call America. So they took that final and difficult and costly step and declared to the whole world that they were dependent on no foreign power. They took their future in their own hands and declared that they stood alone, independent of anyone else. It was the declaration of independence. It was born of necessity. Independence was the only reasonable course of action. But we must understand that they also knew, even as they declared this day of independence, our founding fathers acknowledged that on that momentous occasion, they had also declared their utter dependence on God. That revolutionary document may have been a declaration of independence, but it was also declared in its own words a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. So in a couple of days, as our nation celebrates the declaration of independence, I want to talk to you just for the next few moments on a different kind of declaration. Just as surely as time and circumstances had taught our founding fathers of this nation that the only feasible course of action that could preserve their hopes and their dreams was to put forth a declaration of independence, experience had also taught them that their only hope of any degree of success was to lay their reliance upon God. So to a large degree, the document that you see before you on the board 
that was signed as a declaration of independence at the same time became a declaration of dependence. They declared when they signed that day that we are dependent upon God. The wisest man that ever lived penned these words, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. I've come to this pulpit today with a simple purpose, and that is I'm encouraging each and every one of us in this house to make that same declaration today, to make a declaration that I am dependent upon God. I am trusting my life, my hope, my dreams, everything upon Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement in the house? So I'm encouraging you today, put your full trust in the Lord. Now you say, well, that, that, that's easy. Well, not really. Sometimes it's easier to trust in what we know what we can see, what we can understand. It's easier to trust in those things. But the problem is sometimes what we see and sometimes what we know and what we understand doesn't give us the full picture. We don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what's down the road. We need somebody bigger in our life. We need somebody that has a perspective beyond us. We need someone with his hand on us that sees the future and he knows where we're headed. Before we ever get there, he has the plan in mind if we will trust him. God does have a plan. The scripture says concerning him, for as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's the word of the Lord. God is thinking higher than we are, seeing from a different perspective than we see. God has aspirations for our lives, for everyone in this room. God has a plan. God has a desire for you. The scripture said it this way, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace not of evil, to give you an expected end. Or the English Standard Version says it this way, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Aren't you glad to know such a God? To know someone that's looking out for our good, has a plan in mind for our lives. Something good. I kind of grew up in, in that that fear time that we, we we feared God a whole lot more than we do now, and I, I wasn't ever sure that God really loved me. I was scared of Him. I didn't know that He was thinking good thoughts about me. I thought He was just looking for every bad thing I did, and he, I was a mosquito flying around waiting for Him to squash me. I'm glad I've learned that. The blood that's in this mosquito is the blood that's in the king of kings, and and he cares about his bloodline, 
And so when I, when I became born again and became a child of God, I was introduced to his love and his care and his goodness. And he's concerned about his children. So we're not capable of seeing the end from the beginning. We're not capable of knowing exactly where we're headed. we got dreams. We've got aspirations. We know what we want to happen. But we don't even know if that's going to be the best thing for our life. But God does. So what he's done is allowed us to trust him. David said, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And he delighted in his way. There's a wonderful sense of security in that truth. You see, if I trust him, if I will depend upon him, if I will let him, he will direct my steps. David didn't stop there, but he said, the man that does this, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. He said, you know how I know this? He said, I've been young and I've been old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. There's a wonderful security in depending upon God. I don't know any place that you could go. I don't know anything you could trust in. I've, I've tried to have a retirement plan, and I'm like you. I, I took advice, and I invested, and I put it there, and wham, half of it's gone. So we start over. Somebody said, well, uh, I, I did this and I did that, and it really worked good for me, so I did this and I did that, you know. And, and I put my money there, and guess what? I told the guy, I said, uh, he said, I, I want you to just lay in bed at night and just think about all the money you're making. I said, you got it wrong. I want you to lay in bed and wonder about my money. I won't sleep. So you know what? All of that stuff that I thought was going to work and somebody told me it was going to work, it ain't working. But I did find out I'm in his hand. I'm in good hands. I'm trusting him. Say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not poverty-stricken. I don't know what will happen. I, I, sometimes I don't know if I want to look at the Internet because it just popped up and said they're going to take all your savings. The government's got a plan. They're going to take all your savings. And then I read a little further and said, buy gold. They won't get that. So I just, all that junk, you know. I, I need some security. I, I need something that I have peace of mind. I, I, need, I need somebody bigger than the world system. I need somebody bigger than, than all of the saving plans of the world. I need, I need a security, and I need something that I can trust in. Uh, Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord, 
I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. So I'm not even capable of directing my own path. But if I put my trust in God, if I will declare my dependence upon him, he will direct my paths. He will establish my going out and my coming in. He will watch over me. He will direct me. He will bring me to a place that he desires for my life. And that's where I want to be. (laughs) I want to be where his desire is taking me, where his desire is leading me. So all I have to do is put my trust in him, follow him where he leads. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Not all of life is green pastures. Some of it is the valley of the shadow of death. But I find that wherever it is, from the green pastures, the the still waters, to the, the valley of the shadow, He's with me. He's with me. His rod and His staff, they are there to protect me. And even when I'm in the presence of The enemy. He said, you know what we ought to do right now? We ought to have a banquet. Eat, Lord. I I remember when I was in Vietnam, we we were out. I was on an armored personnel carrier, and we had tanks, and we were looking for the enemy. And we set up a noontime stop for lunch, and helicopters flew in. And they broke out these containers. And they pulled out porterhouse T-bones. I mean, that's the only porterhouse I've ever had. I didn't even know what you called them. I just knew it was steak. And I knew it was the biggest one I'd ever seen. And they had been sitting in that, we call them mermite cans, that's, it's just another name for an ice chest, an aluminum ice chest. And they were sitting in there, and they were so tender, and they were so juicy. And it was right there in the war. And an enemy could have popped up and shot us. They could have sent a rocket in on us, but we had a feast. And that scripture comes so alive to me now. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I'm telling you, if you trust in Him, He can take care of you. He can provide for you. He can supply your needs. He will even give you the comforts in the time of conflict and trouble. In the midst, He anoints my head with oil. And my cup overflows with the joy of the Lord. So gladness and joy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. <laughs> I like it here. I like to be in the presence of the Lord. I like to be in this place of trust. Because I found out if I trust Him, He'll never lead me wrong. 
He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll bring me through the valley. There won't be one that he can't take me through. Not one. I've been young, and I guess I'm old. (laughs) But I've never seen a time. I've never seen a situation. I've never seen a storm that he put me in that he wasn't in charge of. Did you get that? I've never been in a storm in this life living for God that he wasn't in charge of. So why should I worry? So why should I fret? He's got the storm in control. He will never lead me to face a trial alone. Never do I have to go through a trial on my own. He's my strength. He's my shield. He's my fortress. He's my rock. He's my deliverer. He is the Lord of my life. So today, today I want to make a declaration that I am depending on you, Jesus. Mm. There was the account in the scripture where the rich young ruler, he, he decided that, you know what, I, I've counted my assets and I'm looking this situation over and, man, I'm, I'm just, the business is growing, everything's doing so good. I, I just need to build bigger barns, get more storehouses, put more stuff up, and then I'm just going to say, O soul, take thine ease. I've got it all figured out. I've got it all planned. And the Lord said, Thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. God's not against us having things. He just wants our soul completely in his trust. If we will put him first, he will give us all the rest. It was in that same chapter that Jesus said to his disciples, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. I I thought, Brother Elmer, he brought me in to show me his new house, Brother Mark, when I moved here. He brought me to his closet. You remember that. He, he didn't show me all of his clothes by pushing one piece against the other. And no, he had him hanging in there that, that pair of brown slacks that he wore to Sunday school and that white shirt. And then he had another pair of something hanging in there, a pair of overalls. I, I remember Brother Elmer when, back years ago, when insurance kind of started coming around and cars and Brother Elmer didn't buy insurance. He didn't buy insurance until the government said you had to buy insurance. He was cost effective, he, but he was trusting the Lord. I hope if you got insurance, you're still trusting God. <laughs> 
we don't have any choice about the insurance thing now. It just has to be. But my trust is not in my insurance. My trust is in God. I, I thought about how simply Brother Elmer and Sister Ruth lived that they, they didn't, it wasn't a closet full of clothes. Now, he had his life disciplined. He, didn't, he wasn't like me that he had to have three different sizes in case this size don't fit. You got this size in the closet. That's my security. <laughs> Nobody else in the room shares that. I think I may have some friends. Jesus said, take note of the lilies. They don't worry about what they're going to wear. Said Solomon in all of his glory is not arrayed like the flowers. Who dresses the flowers? God does. And if God can clothe grass and he can feed birds, how much more will he take care of those that trust in him? So I'm here today to encourage somebody. As we think about our nation and its declaration of independence, our forefathers understood we need God. So as we declare our independence from England, we also declare that we need God. We commit ourselves to divine providence. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Somebody needs to turn your life over to him. Maybe you have some things on the edge that you, you're just holding back and you're, you're not sure that you can trust God with those things. You need to make a declaration this morning in this house that it's all in. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it all in you, God. I'm trusting in you. Somebody needs to step up and say, Lord, I'm depending on you. I need you in my life. I need you for direction. I need you for guidance. I need your hand to lead me and your spirit to guide me. I need the strength that comes from that anointing. I need the blessing that comes from your presence. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Maybe you'll just say it like this. I need thee, oh I need thee every hour. I need thee. So bless me now, my Savior. I come. Let's sing it again. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. So bless. Me now, 
my Savior, I come to Solomon said, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely is, shall be delivered. So the real truth this morning is either we are going to trust in God or we're going to trust in ourselves. The first thing tells us that It's a wise course of action to trust in God. And the second choice is the choice of fools. It takes a fool to elevate their way over God's way. It takes a fool to elevate their understanding over God's understanding. And that foolishness always ends in disaster. My research for this message, I came across this article, 178 Seconds to Live. said that spatial disorientation is a big danger. This is dealing with pilots, those that, fly with visual recognition. They took some 20 pilots, skilled pilots that flew. This was a study by the University of Illinois in the 1990s as aviation researchers were trying to figure out why people got disoriented, why they crashed when they could not figure out how to fly with instruments. And so they brought 20 seasoned pilots, pilots that had never had trouble, people that could fly, and they brought them in for a study. These people had flown private aircraft. They did well as long as they could avoid flying at night as long as they could avoid flying into a thick cloud cover. Matter of fact, these type pilots would carefully plot and plan their course so they could avoid all possibility of having to fly with no visual situations. They brought them in. They got a flight simulator. They put them in. And it took 178 seconds for every one of these 20 pilots to destroy themselves. And whoever they would have had aboard their plane at that point in time had they actually been flying a plane. What happened? Why, why did they do it? They, they put them in there and they had to trust the instruments. And every one of them refused to trust the instruments. And by their human nature, they trusted their flying instincts. And they crashed the plane. Trust. 
You see, Solomon said, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, or whoso trusteth in God is wise, he shall be delivered. These pilots thought with their experience they could trust their instincts. I wonder today under the sound of my voice, how many of us think that I've got this? I know what you're saying, preacher, but I've got it. I know what you're saying, pastor, but I've I've got it, and I can understand some things too, and I know a few things too. Can I tell you that your understanding is just simply not good enough? Your reasoning and your knowledge won't keep you safe. You need God. You need God and His anointing and His direction in your life. You need Him to order your steps and direct your paths. I wanted you to somehow get a Wrap your brain around it. Wrap your heart around it today and make a declaration that I'm going to depend on the Lord from this day forward. I want you to challenge you today to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in His Word. Depend upon what He says. You're going to get in a situation. The cloud's going to wrap you up. You won't be able to see, and you're going to need something. You're going to need a hand to reach into your situation and guide you through it. Been there, done that, had him do that for me. I believe you ought to trust him. I believe you ought to reach out to him today. You ought to embrace this opportunity today to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord. Job, been reading the book of Job this week, and he inspires me every time I read him. But he said in chapter 19, it, it, it's tough where I'm at. He said, I, I'm just paraphrasing. He's, he said, even my own family despises me. They won't talk to him anymore. He said, young children that used to respect me, they disdain me. The people that honored me in the gate and when I sat there, they, 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 they shone me. Everybody is walking away from me. He said, all of these things are happening in life. He said, but you know what? For I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, Yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. Mine eyes shall behold him, not another, though my reins be consumed within me. He said, I want you to know I'm still trusting in God. I've lost everything. I've lost everybody. Even my wife said, curse God and die. And here I am today. I just want you to know that through it all, you, 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 you're miserable comforters. You hadn't told me anything good. 
You, you, you came here to comfort me, but all you can do is try to find fault with what I've done in my life. And, and you're just sure I'm the biggest sinner that ever lived. But I want you to know, <laughs> my God lives. And one day I'm going to see him for myself. He didn't stop there in Job chapter 23. He, he said, I go forward and he's not there. I, I'm, all my friends left me and I'm looking for God now. And I go backward and I can't perceive him on the left hand where he doth work, but I can't behold him. And he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Notice, he said, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job, how are you making it through this? I've got his word. Now, some say that Job is perhaps the oldest book in the Bible. But somewhere, Job heard from God. Scripture doesn't tell how, doesn't tell us what, doesn't tell us when, but Job said, I heard from him. And that's what I'm holding on to. There's a lot of stuff being said in our world today. Stuff that you better be careful when you hear it. But this book right here, the Word of God. It'll take you through the stuff. You believe what's here. You trust in what's here. You get a hold to it. You put it deep in your heart. You let it live in such a way in your life that you live it out. Scripture said our, 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 our lives are an epistle. Our lives are a book that's known and read of all men. And so... If somebody's going to read me, let them read this. If somebody's going to read me, I want them to be reading this. And if they're going to, leave, if they're going to read this through me, then I'm going to have to know what's in this book. Amen? Time to get the book in us. It's time to get the Word in us. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. Blessed is that man. God wants to release a flow of blessings into your life. He has an unending treasure chest of good things that he wants to provide. You see, when you trust in the Lord, when there's dry times and there's barren times, you're not going to wither and you're going to continue to produce fruit for the glory of the Lord.
God wants to loose the assurance of His direction and His guidance in your dark, stormy times and your lonely valleys if you'll put your faith in Him, if you'll turn your hope toward heaven. He longs to be your provider and your way maker. He's only waiting for you to make the declaration of dependence on Him. I come to a close with this story. It comes from that first constitutional convention. That first constitutional convention had reached a place where they were trying to decide what to do with health care. And they couldn't seem to come to a conclusion. Excuse me, I just threw that in. They weren't talking about health care, believe me. But it did remind me of just what's going on right now. Matter of fact, they had become so fragmented, they were ready to throw in the towel and forget the whole concept of a constitution completely. They were at the end of their ropes. They were ready to admit defeat, give up, and walk away. But an old white-haired man by the name of Benjamin Franklin rose to his feet and looked at the various delegates, and he began to speak. He carried words of authority of a man who had invested very much in what was transpiring before him. In the face of the crisis, the imminent collapse of the convention, he said, Gentlemen, if it is true that not one single petal from a flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention, will the distress of this nation go unheeded? Let us, therefore, determine to seek his face. What followed was an impromptu prayer meeting where the delegates of that first constitutional convention got on their knees and cried out to God. And we today have a document called the Declaration of Independence. But it came because they were dependent upon God. I would God today that Congress and the Senate would once again get on their knees and He would put together, God would put together this fragmented nation. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and will seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. He said, then I will heal their land. Let's stand together. Somebody needs to make a declaration today. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And as we pray in our closing prayer today, and we pray for ourselves let us also pray for America because as it needed God to be able to author that first constitution, it needs God to finish it.
I said it needs God to finish it. Let's pray together. Jesus. Thank you.